Have you ever thought about going to vet school? Have you wondered what exactly it would take to get there and succeed? Today's guest is walking us through the process of the last couple of years of her life and her journey as she has prepared to go to vet school. Let's find out, does she get in? Welcome to The Thriving Equine Professional, the podcast to grow you. Are you wondering how to make connections to build your career in the equine industry? Not sure where to look for the support you'll need to land a dream job? Maybe you're feeling frustrated or stuck where you are. Hey, I'm Jody. I was that girl with no clue how to navigate landing a great career in animal health, but I knew this is where I wanted to be. I look back and cannot believe the roles I've landed and the people I call friends. Inside this podcast, you will meet key connections, build your career confidence, and find the advice you may not know you need. So if you're ready to grow your career and thrive in a job that you are passionate about, you're in the right place. Get the ponies fed and fill those water buckets. It's time to grow, girl. Welcome back, Thrivers, to another exciting episode. You know, not only today do we have an amazing guest whom I have gotten to know so well over the past couple of months, and I am so incredibly excited and proud of her, but we're going to get to share some news today that is pretty brand new. So I'm excited for this conversation, Jade Very. I would love, normally I start our episodes, Jade, by telling the audience about how we are connected, but I almost need to pitch that over to you because while I do feel like I know you really well right now, I think you kind of knew me before I knew you. So Jade, welcome to the Thriving Equine Professional. Why, hello. It's great to see you on the screen and hear from you. Yes, like you said, I did know you before. I attended uh, Next Gen Equine, actually, I think that's a year and a half ago, two years ago, with a friend of mine, Taylor. And I went just to kind of see what you had as a program. And I got to really just experience what you did for us as far as coaching us along and giving us the advice and giving us the tools that we needed to become the next generation of equine practitioners. And so between all of the panel, like the panel people and the veterinarians that you had, and you also had the booth set up with like the chemi internship and those things, it was just an experience to kind of see what the next steps were. And I got so much good advice there. And so I was actually thinking of reaching out to you on my own when my doctor, Dr. Schneider was like, oh, you should reach out to Jody. I know her. And I was like, oh, perfect. Cause I was already planning on it. And so she kind of connected us a little bit and, you know, got our numbers switched between us. And I think from the first session, we were really able to just sit there and talk about how we could continue our relationship into the next steps. And between your advice on interviews and just speaking in general, I feel like I've made such progress that I've moved in so many ways and grown in so many ways, just knowing you and having you in my life. Well, I appreciate that. And and that's just it, right? So from an attendee at Next Gen Equine Vet Med 2023 
to then, you know, this connection, Dr. Jackie Snyder, we have to give a shout out, one of my favorite veterinarians, right, in the world. She sets the bar high for us. I think you and I both agree on that. And then, yes, you stepped into kind of a coaching relationship with me. And as you were, because this is really the point of our episode, because you were applying to vet school. And so through that process, we will get to that. But I want the audience to kind of understand where you came from before we get into why equine veterinary medicine for Jade. And you came to us in Kentucky, Jade, from Las Vegas. So I think we have to start in Vegas. So tell us a little bit about the beginning of Jade and your horse craziness and and those kinds of things. And then, you know, we'll talk about how you then moved from Vegas to Kentucky. So everything kind of started, we actually found a journal when I was, from when I was five, where I had drawn a very like anatomy incorrect, I should say, or <laughs> looking horse. Um, it, I think had a unicorn horn. It was like pink with spots or something, but it was a little drawing of a horse that I had made when I was five. And I had say one day when I'm 12, I'm going to own a horse. My parents have nothing to do with horses. They are not in the horse world. And they were like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like it's every girl wants a pony, right? Well, I continued to want the pony and I continued to want the pony so much so that I actually gave up my dance career for, I danced from when I was very young all the way up until I was um, also very young, nine years old, but I gave that up at nine because I decided that I wanted to do something with animals. And so first thing was like, oh, well, I'll work at a shelter. And every shelter was like, you're nine, that's not going to happen. And so we started looking into where can I find something to deal with horses? Cause I was still very much into the horses and I really still wanted that pretty pony that I had dreamed about having. And so actually kind of a fluke, my parents met this man at RC Willie trying to buy like a washer and dryer and he had horses and he offered to let me come out and work in exchange to ride his horses. And through that relationship and growing, I we ended up buying a horse or two from him and then we bought his barn and so on and so forth. We just kind of grew in this relationship and the horse craziness just didn't stop. As everyone says, it's a phase. It was not a phase. It continued to get stronger and stronger, so much so that I, at the day after I turned 16, I began working at Desert Pines Equine Center out in Las Vegas just to get more experience. And about that time was when I really decided that I wanted to be a vet. And I'd always known I want to do something with horses, but getting to get in there and be a vet tech and see what being a veterinarian was all about, that's what solidified it for me. And I just have continued on that path since. Right. Well, and I love that because there's a couple pieces of that. There are so many of us that are horse crazy young girls and women. And then for you to go on and get the opportunity to work at Desert Pines again, I mean, one of the premier brands in our industry, you were at Desert Pines and you, you know, in that situation decided, yes, absolutely. This is what I wanted to do. And my guess is Jade, that you didn't have any idea what you were really committing to. Absolutely not. (laughs) I, I thought I did. I really genuinely was like, oh, this is exactly what being a veterinarian's like. And then just working throughout the years and coming being even just in like breeding season in Las Vegas is so different from breeding season in Kentucky and just going through all of the things that I've gone through, working at a small animal clinic for a little while, shout out to Craig Road Animal Hospital for giving me that that two months that I was there just to kind of see if that was what I was interested in. It was just such a progression of, I never lost the passion that I had. I 
I started with it and it just grew and grew and grew. And as I learned more and as I got these skills, I just continued to really settle more into this idea that this is what I wanted to do with my life. And I started to appreciate the little details of what it really meant, the hard work, the on-call nights, the giving up sometimes your free time just to go and help the emergency, changing your plans last minute, that kind of thing. And it didn't really hit me what it was like until I got a little bit older and started taking on more responsibility at the clinic that I was working at. And, you know, when I was 19, 20 years old, when they started giving me more responsibility, I was like, oh, this is not just playing with the horses at the clinic and touching the baby foals and holding the mares for palps. This is a lot more intense. Even as I learned that, it just made me want to be that person and continue to grow. And I, I really just found myself wanting to be the people that I was admiring each day. Yeah. And you had some strong mentorship there at Desert Pines too, I think. Is that correct? Oh, yes. I had, there are so many veterinarians, I couldn't possibly name them all, but I have worked for uh, with Dr. Moser and Dr. Schur, Dr. Winchell, Dr. Manship. I worked with so many, we had several interim vets, Dr. Westinger and Dr. Boots. And it's just so many people that came in and showed me things the same way they all have something to teach and they all give you to mentor you on and I learned so much just from having these different experiences with each person and I think that a lot of who I am now can be attributed to the lessons that they taught me and the the lessons that they you know not even just related to vet med you know they taught me how to communicate and how to be supportive of other people and how to support you know the career itself yeah. It's some incredible lessons along the way. And I, um, I want to get into that as we step toward, you know, like where you are now for sure. So you then made the journey from Vegas to Lexington, Kentucky. So talk about how that happened. How, how did you get here? So in 2018, I actually had won an award that allowed me to go to Kentucky for nationals. And I we decided to extend the trip and kind of see what Kentucky was all about. Of course, it's the horse capital of the world. So I had to check out the horse farms and do Kentucky Horse Park. But we also decided that, you know, I'd become serious in this journey towards veterinary medicine. Maybe it was time to start looking at what opportunities for equine veterinary medicine were out here as well. And so we took tours at Haggard and at Rudin Riddle, and I loved both of them, um, but I really felt a connection with Haggard. And so I applied for their internship program for the 2022 season. That journey was first applying and sending in my resume and then interviewing with them. And then they sent back that they wanted to take me into their internal medicine program. So I made the journey up here to do that uh, internship, which lasted from January to June. I ended up staying an extra three months because I didn't have to go back to Las Vegas to graduate until August. And so I actually stayed through the end of August, went back, graduated for my last semester, and then came back out here for a field internship with uh, Dr. Jackie Snyder, who I'm riding with again this year. So I've actually been with her two years now. Well, and I, I know that many of us would call that lucky, right? So, but we we can talk all that we want about the example that Dr. Snyder sets, but I do want to step back and I want to know now, as you did a stint with internal medicine and now two uh, seasons with field, give us a little bit of your take on those two and maybe why you came back for field again and how you feel about internal medicine versus field medicine. 
I think they complement each other very well, but you have to decide where you fit best because in internal medicine, there's a lot of very, very sick animals, but you also are getting very hands-on in some of the most complicated cases that I have ever seen, even at my time at Desert Pines. I mean, I've been in vet medicine since 2016 and I was seeing new things every week from the complicated colics to the neonates. I had very little neonate experience and coming into this, it was such an experience and such a beautiful thing to be able to learn from these brilliant, brilliant surgeons and internal medicine specialists. And so I loved my time in medicine and I loved my time in field. I also just think that I really enjoy getting out of the clinic and going and seeing the farms bright and early in the morning, even though I'm not a morning person at all. It's beautiful to go and see the whole process because in the clinic you're seeing from very ill to hopefully when they get better and as they go out the door, but you may not see them again. Whereas out in the field, I mean, I get to see them when they're healthy and jumping around the stall and out in the fields as we pass them by going to another farm or as we send them to the breeding shed and then we get to check them in 14 days, you know, in full and 28 days and 45 days and continue on that cycle. And then, you know, now I'm starting to see some of the mares that we bred last year have their babies. And for me, it's so incredible to see that full process. And I have so much joy just getting to connect with the farm managers and the people that are actively trying to give these horses a good life and, you know, working with them to better their animals' health every day that I find a little more enjoying that, which is kind of why I decided to come back to field again, not only because of the mentorship, but also because I just find myself enjoying seeing the whole process from point A to point B to point C and so on, as we get to see everything from start to finish and then continue on. And I think that it brings me a little bit more joy to watch them, you know, frolic happily and see see the after effects of what we've done. And so I actually went back to medicine for a couple of months to help them out overnight shift. And I enjoyed my time there and I was happy to be back. And I don't know that I'll ever fully give that up because I enjoy the emergency that comes with internal medicine. I enjoy the neonates and getting to help with the sickest of the sick. I also just know that I also enjoy getting to pet the fuzzy little babies when they're healthy and very rambunctious. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So let's talk a little bit about then the change in Jade and the evolution from last season to this season. You have gone through so much. And so here we are. Let's get into this discussion about Jade wants to go to vet school and the applications, the process, the interviews. Let's break that down a little bit from you who is living it. So I don't know, Jade, I think maybe we should just start with your news and throw it out there. Or do you want to start with 2022? Which, where do you want to start? I guess we should tell everyone the news first so that they know okay. where this ends. That's right. Well, <laughs> it, does, not... yeah, it doesn't end here, but the it news doesn't end is... Here. It's starting here, I guess. Yes. Um, I... Obviously, I applied to vet school this year, and I am happy to announce that I was accepted to Auburn University's class of 2028 for their veterinary program. So I will officially be going to vet school in the fall. Oh, we're so excited about this. We're so excited. So the class of 2028, uh, you're hearing it here for the first time, audience, like Thrivers, this is it. Like, this is how it works. But 
Let's break it down because it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns, right? This has been quite a process for you. So I think that with the news of you are now accepted into the Auburn University class of 2028, let's just give the numbers. How many times have you applied? How many schools did you apply to? And how many no's, how many maybes, how many interviews? Can you kind of run us through that, Jade? Yep. So last year, I actually applied to three schools, PennVet, Purdue, Auburn, because two very, you know, well-known schools and also the school that had connections to the place that I was working at, Haggard, which is Auburn, because I wanted to see where my application was at. And I think looking back, I wasn't as serious about that application. And I knew that I probably wasn't going to get in because I didn't have everything together. I didn't really know what I was walking into. And I feel like maybe I had just wasn't completely aware of what I needed to express when I applied. And so I had a lot of very um, basic and very surface level answers to the questions that they asked. And my essays were admittedly probably just kind of surface deep. And I don't think that that was necessarily a bad decision because I think that it prepared me for this upcoming cycle. But I also know that I put myself out there, maybe not in the way that was going to get me in last year. And I, and I knew that going in. However, I had made the decision that I wanted a little bit of feedback. And so I didn't get in last year to any of the schools, but mainly what they had suggested was that I focus on just making my GPA as high as possible and continuing to focus on my journey towards equine veterinary medicine. Cause I was a little bit unsure of whether or not I had enough small animal to really achieve the experience level that they were looking for, so to speak. And so I was very nervous about my small animal experience because I only had, I think 200 ish hours in small animal. And so I had a lot of doubts in myself when I applied. And so I don't think that I was necessarily ready. And looking back now, I know that I wasn't ready not only to get in, but also to go to vet school, because I think that the amount that I have grown and matured in this last year, just experiencing life and experiencing the mentorship of other people and seeing what veterinary medicine is just at a finer detail and having these conversations about what it's going to mean for me to become a veterinarian. I'm almost glad that I didn't get in last year because I think that it's better for me as a person to go this year and be more ready and be prepared. And so I applied, I kind of just set, set aside that and continued moving on. I, you know, I was going to do the field internship and I had just graduated from uh, undergrad with a pre-professional biology major. Um, one thing I can say, it really doesn't matter what major you are, but make sure you have those core classes because the one thing that my Auburn application was missing from the first time that I applied was a core class that they considered core, but that my university didn't. So I was, I wasn't completely aware of, I thought that there were other classes that would fulfill that, but they were looking for a very specific class. And so make sure that those classes are fulfilled. And that was the biggest thing was making sure that all the prerequisites that I was applying to the school for were filled out and ready to go. And so I reapplied this year for the 2024 fall. And I really spent a lot of time digging into these schools. What are their programs? What are the chances of me getting in with my prereqs? What prereqs do they hold highest opinions of? You know, do they prefer uh, virology or immunology? Like some schools actually had a preference of that. And 
just kind of diving into what it, what they were looking for and then figuring out how to make myself a good candidate for them. And so I spoke a lot with other veterinarians, Dr. Snyder and Dr. Gould and Dr. Gorman and many others, and just about what they thought made them the best candidate for their application. And then I tried to figure out where in my own story I could kind of fit that in. And so I applied with the hope that I would get into at least one or two schools. And I applied to 12 schools, pretty much every United States school that I met, the GPA requirements, prerequisite requirements, and that I liked their program, I applied to. My top school was Auburn because I had Kentucky residency. And so in-state tuition was a big thing for me. I don't come from some, neither of my parents went to college. And so I don't come from a big background in um I guess, collegiate experience. And so uh, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I got from other people that had gone was to, if you can get in-state tuition, go to your in-state school because vet school is vet school and figuring out how to come out of that in the least amount of debt possible will just boost you forward as you come out of it. And so I was really hoping for Auburn University because it's my in-state we want to shout that from the rooftops, right? You know, yes, like there, there are so many veterinarians now that we just continue to remind our young people, if you can get into your in-state school, that in-state tuition is a game changer because when you graduate vet school, you are a veterinarian, period. Yeah. And that's, and I wasn't aware of that prior, right? Because Nevada does not have a school that they contract to. And so I never put any emphasis on that coming out here and getting my residency and figuring out, oh, I could be a hundred thousand dollars less in debt if I go to Auburn, really just push that school to the forefront because I want to become a professional and not have to worry about being in debt for the rest of my life. And so finding that, finding out all of this information and not, I guess, try, I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. <laughs> finding out that I didn't need to go to the top school of the top schools in order for the name of the school to be on my resume and finding out that me as a student is going to matter a lot more than the name of the school on my resume changed the way that I looked at that school because I don't need to go to Cornell. I don't need to go to Purdue. I need to go to a school that is going to help me thrive as a professional in the future. Such great advice. Thank you. (laughs) To me, part of that is understanding my limitations on finances and I'm supporting myself through college. I got scholarships all through undergrad so that I didn't have, I don't have a lot of debt from undergrad, but I'm going to be in debt from vet school. And to me, one of the biggest things is finding a way to decrease that debt as much as possible. And so when I was looking at all of these schools, when I was applying, Yes, I applied to quite a few. I applied because I thought, okay, if I can't get into X, Y, or Z, I think I have a decent chance at getting into these schools. And all of them have a decent equine program, or at least extracurriculars in the equine industry. And all of them, I've had some sort of interaction with someone from them. Those were the schools that I was mainly focusing on. I wanted to see what type of veterinarian they produced. And if I wanted to be a similar veterinarian, if that makes sense. So, you know, I have a friend, I have a a mentor from Michigan State and I wanted to see if I could get into Michigan State. And I have many mentors from Auburn. So I wanted to see if I could get into Auburn. And I have a mentor that went to Ohio. So I wanted to see if I could get into Ohio. And so that's kind of how I chose was, you know, do I meet the prereqs? Do I have the GPA that they want? And 
do I know someone that I can look up to from that school? And do they produce a veterinarian that I can want to mentor myself after? And so I applied to all these schools and I ended up right now, as of now, because I haven't heard from a couple, but I applied to 12 and I have five interested with one acceptance. And so hey, a little I love it, that, but uh, yeah, so five. But that, I think it just paints such a realistic picture, Jade, because this is a unknown process to so many. And I think that sharing that experience and understanding that there are schools that we might be interested in that are going to tell you no. Yeah. And I think that every school that said no, they had their own reason. I think that, I guess, in the words of my mother, the universe gets it right. And yeah. so whether or not that was me putting out the vibe that I really, really wanted Auburn, or that was just that we may not have been a good match. I think that it's okay to understand that the rejection isn't anything against you as a person. The rejection is just that you may not be a good match for that school. And if you're really dead set on that school, keep trying, keep yes. pushing, keep putting yourself into a position that you may get a chance to go to that school. I also think that it's important that it find out what those schools are looking for and present yourself in the best way possible for those schools. Because if you know what type of person or what type of veterinarian they're looking to create, then you can ex put yourself in that light and say, hey, I understand that maybe I don't meet this recommendation, you know, this requirement or this, you know, desire from you, but here's what I can offer. And here's what I think I could benefit your program with. And so I think that it's important to kind of figure out what they are looking for and then see if you would be a good match and kind of present yourself in that light. Yeah, without a doubt. And so to that point, Jade, you have real, like you have worked tirelessly the past 60 days, really 60, 90 days to do just that. You, when you started getting offers for interviews, you really put in extra work. So all the work that went in the past year, the applications, the process, and then you started getting interviews and you said, okay, well now I need to, then I need to step it up. And so what I want to hear from you now is as you explain it, this didn't just come without a lot of time and effort on your part. You were researching what each individual school was looking for, what their values were, what the interview process was. You were networking your way around. And then not to mention, you stepped into some coaching with me so that you were more prepared for the interview. And I watched you come to life. So from, you know, so we did at least six sessions, if not eight. And from the beginning of that to now, it's a different level of confidence. So talk about, and maybe the question I'll ask first of you, Jade, is what's been the most challenging part of this journey? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, I think the most challenging part of this for me was understanding who I was. Because going into this, I wanted to be a vet. I, I wanted to, I, I knew what I, I knew what the goal was, but I wasn't quite sure how to make myself get there. And I knew what a good interview looked like, but I didn't know how to make myself get there. <laughs> and so it was, it was a lot of fine tuning myself, I think, that was really challenging and like really reflecting on who I am, the journey that I've had, and what makes me a good candidate for veterinary school. And so 
when I think back at it, I think, okay, I was a good candidate. Yeah. I, I got an, I, I was a decent enough candidate to get an interview, but I also wasn't polished enough at the beginning. And I needed a little bit of, a little bit of help to kind of fine tune my answers, to kind of fine tune the way that I was showing myself off again, basically, because in an interview, you're just looking to exhibit the best of yourself, right? You're, you're looking to show the school why you are a good match for them and why you are ready, mature, and mentally prepared enough to go work at this schooling for four more years, potentially more, and how you are going to be the next great veterinarian in your community. And I knew what I wanted, but I wasn't sure how to get there. And I really wasn't sure how to exhibit what I knew I had to others. And so I think that that was the biggest challenge was just figuring out how to explain something without having an excuse and show show what I cared about without sounding generic. Because everybody that wants to get into vet med loves animals. Everybody has a struggle and a story. But how was I unique enough to show them that I've, I've been through some things that are unique to me and this is how they made me grow. And that growth is going to prepare me for the future and kind of figuring out how to balance all of that and communicate that in a way that made me light up in the interview or shine in the interview or stand out in the interview, however you want to think about it, figuring out a way to show others that I was ready for this next journey was, I think the biggest, the bit, the thing that I struggled the most with. Yeah. So good. And, and there was no doubt, right. That you're hungry for it, you know, and I talk a lot about that. You're hungry for it and it does, it takes, you know, that support system and the veteran you're, you're working all day, every day. And yes, you have all the answers and the experiences and the hours and everything looks right. And now how do you bring it all together so that you, whether it's a 30 minute or a 60 minute interview, because that's about all you get, right. Um, how do you, how do you take all of these hours and experiences and package them into that and really create that competitive advantage for yourself so that you are memorable? And, um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked so much about questions like dealing with criticism and dealing with conflict or ethics in veterinary medicine, or what's your financial plan and what are your strengths in communication and behavioral skills, but all in all, when it comes down to it, I go back and say, it's been your confidence, right? Your confidence in bringing your story together and knowing that you are ready and here's why. So just, you know, so well done. So well done. I was just going to say, I think a lot of it has like in an interview, I think for me, I didn't want to make myself sound poor, right? Because you, you don't, you don't want them to ask you about the poor grade on one class that you retook and got an A in, right? You don't want them to ask about the too few hours in a research lab when you were doing something else. Like I really struggled with this idea that they were going to kind of pick apart my resume when really that's not what they were going to do at all. They just wanted to see that I was ready in a mature fashion. Was I, what am I mentally prepared for what's about to come? And so coming, and I think that I struggled with like, oh, well, I did this poorly and they're going to look so much down on me. And I had a lot of this like 
I don't know if it's guilt or just like I looked poorly on it. So I thought they would too. When in all reality, all it is, is my story. It's just my journey. And it's the, the things that made me who I am. And it's the things that built my character to who I am today. And so I, I think I grew most in being able to just understand that this whole, all of the interview process and the application process is just a way for them to understand that you are a strong competitive applicant that is going to go all the way through this because they want to give the opportunities to the people that are going to push themselves all the way to the finish line. And I think that just being able to understand that as long as you know that you're you're ready and you're mature and you're able to communicate that effectively, that you are ready, it's okay. You can just take a deep breath and just show people what you've got. Yeah, so good. So on the other hand, is there something that stands out to you? You know, like we, that was kind of a, a question about the most challenging part of this journey. What's the most rewarding? Do you have a rewarding moment? Do you have a standout? This has been the most rewarding part of this. Obviously, you just got accepted into Auburn University class of 2028. But is there something else that really stands out to you as being super rewarding about this whole journey? Oh, the first thing that comes to mind, I, so when I first got accepted, like the night of like 10 minutes after the phone call, I was, I called a bunch of the people that I have not talked to in a long time. And I was, you know, people that have shown me support from day one, the veterinarians that have been there with me, trying to help me and teach me and push me to be a better veterinary professional. And when I said, you know, Hey, I got into vet school. I just wanted to let you know, thank you so much to hear them come back and say, well, we knew you'd do it. It, or like, we can't wait to be colleagues with you. That, that moment that I think that phrase really stood out of, I can't wait to be your colleague because it puts such a light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Because I mean, the doctors that I work with are my mentors. They're these people that are way up here that are, they're the people I I look up to, I aspire to be. I hope that I can be a fraction of the veterinarian that I see in them. And for them to say, well, yeah, you're going to be my colleague, Wendy. I think one day, I think that that, that moment that they acknowledge that they had this belief in me that I was going to stand with them as veterinarians with them on the stage of veterinary professionalism and just be their colleague one day. I think that was, it is one of the biggest moments and I don't know that I'll ever forget it. Yes. I love it. I have saved the text messages. I have written it in my journal. It is one of the, it is one of the defining moments I think in this year of just hearing these, these people that I look up to so much have this faith in me and have this belief that I am going to stand there with them one day. And I think that the, if I have to think of anything this year in, you know, there was definitely some rough times going, but I think that, I think that that moment of them just having that faith in me is just, it, it's pushing me forward still. Yes. Good. And it will continue to do so. And I have to take that also to the next level of saying the reason that I do next gen equine vet med, the reason that we have some of these conversations is guess what? Equine Vet Med is the place to be. And there is so much, I, I hate to say it, but we know the truth is there's so much negativity. And we know that when you get to vet school, you'll hear some of it as well, right? That there will be discouragement towards equine veterinary medicine. And I think that so many of us feel so strongly that that has to stop. 
And it stops because of messages like yours that you just shared. It stops because of the equine veterinarians that are out here thriving in their careers, loving this industry. And yes, do we need some change? Sure, we do. Do we need some change as society outside of just equine vet med? Yes. And so I do, I just celebrate this as another message for young people who have an interest in equine careers, industry careers, veterinary medicine careers, technician careers, whatever it is, to hear you share this journey and know that you have gone through tremendous challenges, but you have gone through those challenges by creating a community, by building your connections, by looking up to and asking for mentorship from the right people and putting yourself in the right places to experience the right opportunities to grow you. So again, I'll step off my soapbox, but I want our audience to hear that what you have experienced and what you will continue to experience is what equine veterinary medicine is all about. It's a family, it's a community, and we should be celebrating it more than listening to the discouragement of others who actually are not in it every day. Oh, I, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think that, you know, a lot, a lot of people have this idea of what vet med in equine, in the equine industry is, right? They say, oh, well, you have no time off. You're constantly doing things. You never get to have a family. You never get to have a life outside of work. You're always on call, blah, 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 blah. I have seen firsthand that that is not true. Are there going to be days where you're working long hours? Absolutely. Are there going to be days where you have to give up, you know, your social plans because something comes up? Yes. But that is veterinary medicine as a whole. You're in it for the quality of care for animals. You're in it to make animals' lives better. You're in it for the humane treatment of animals. That is the number one thing, right? You're there for the ethical treatment of animals, whether that's cats, dogs, bunnies, snakes, horses, you know, the rhino in the savannah, whatever it is, wherever you're at, you're there to make animals' lives better, or at least the treatment of animals better. And there are going to be long days, but that is not all that there is to veterinary medicine. You can have a family. My mentor that I have right now, Dr. Jackie Snyder, has two young boys. Her husband is also an equine veterinarian. And they make, there are days where the boys are in the back of the car, you know, listening to circle round when we're going out on an, another call, but we manage it. There are days we pick them up from school and continue on with our day, but we manage it. And I think that this year, if nothing else, has taught me that it is possible for us to continue moving in such a way that veterinary veterinary medicine, specifically for equine veterinary medicine, is moving towards a positive light, right? Like it's it's moving, it's changing. We have a new emergency system at Haggard Equine where, you know, you're not on call as much. We're working together as a community so that we have a week on, a week off. We have we're we're starting to get there. And I think that that's the most important thing because without more veterinarians, without the next generation of equine veterinarians, we can't continue to change, right? Like if we just give up, there's never going to be anything accomplished. But I think that the reward is big enough for us to continue to want it. We are making enough progress that we we should continue to look at the 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 way that we're making positive impact and change on our careers. And I think that 
you know, we, we see this, you know, negativity from vet schools or, you know, others in the profession or whatever. But the biggest thing is if you want to be an equine vet, be an equine vet and just prove them wrong. <laughs> I think that that's the biggest thing. Just prove them wrong. Don't, don't let yourself be bound by the expectation of others. Don't let yourself be hindered and step away from a career that you truly care about because someone else believes that you can't do it. Yes. Don't listen to the haters. Don't listen to the haters. Exactly. I think that there's this expectation that you can't have a life that isn't veterinary medicine and also be a veterinarian in the equine world. I think that it's not true. You can have a life. You can, you're just going to have to learn to balance it. That's all that there is. Learn as, as we talked about, learn to balance the roles that you have in your life, whether that's your role as a partner or a, a fur baby mother, you know, where you have your, I have mine, my gremlins are running around behind this beautiful thing <laughs> behind me. They are, you know, whether, whether it, you enjoy riding and you have your own horse or you have a dog or a cat or a fish or a snake or whatever you have, or, you know, you have kids or you have a partner, or whatever you have, or you have a hobby where you like to go hiking, you just learn to balance it. And I'm still working on that. I'll be the first to admit, I, you know, I think that it's a journey to finding out how you want to live and then just taking the steps that you can to do it. Because Dr. Snyder, when we're in the car, we have a lot of really long, deep conversations about what it's like for her to be a mom in equine medicine. And I genuinely wasn't sure that that was possible before I started writing with her. And then I came to get to know her as a person as well as a, a veterinarian and I realized it is very much possible so for anyone out there wondering if it's possible or worth it it is if you if that is what you want if you want to be an equine veterinarian and you want to be a mom or you want to have you know whatever you want to do it is possible just believe in it and continue working for it and just stay on your path <laughs> Yes. Such great advice. I mean, I didn't even have to ask you for, you know, what advice would you give? I think you've given the, you know, so much of that great advice. And so uh, that's just it. As we wrap up here, Jade, I think, again, we celebrate what you've shared today and we celebrate your accomplishments as you come to this transition in your life of all that has led you here. And so to your point, it is a little bit of an, an ending, right? 2024 will be a little bit of an ending of one era, but it will be such an exciting beginning of your next era. I do want to share with our listeners that you will be speaking for us at the upcoming Next Gen Equine Vet Med event in Lexington. So again, this is another reminder for our listeners that if you are or know of any undergraduate student who has an equine interest and may be interested in careers in equine veterinary medicine or around equine vet med, we want them to get registered for one of these three events. They've got the opportunity to go to Tarleton State in Texas, March 23rd, Lexington, Kentucky, April 6th, or West Virginia University, April 20th. And so you will be speaking to our students here in Lexington, and I'm just so excited about that. I think it'll be such a rich opportunity for you being there the year before. You were just there last March 
And now you'll be able to come back and speak to this next group of students who are interested in these careers. So Jade, thank you for being with us today. Uh, I always do like to wrap up. Uh, do you have any particular book or podcast that you like to recommend to people? Is there anything that comes to mind if, if we make any recommendations? That's a good, so it's one that I just started. Um, but my mother and I have decided that we're going to do this together. And it's also right next to my, uh, it's called a journey within, and it's like, a it's like a journal book. And so my mother and I are actually doing it together and it just, it, it makes you kind of reflect on yourself. And I think that it's interesting when you sit down and actually think through what your thoughts are on a particular question. It's very interesting for me to sit down as I've gone through this journey and see how much I've changed. Cause I think my answers from last year and this year are completely different. And so I think that, uh, as we work through that together, you know, find just finding out, you know, how much I've changed in the past year and also how I've stayed the same, because I, you know, I think that I've stayed very core to myself, but I also think that I've changed in so many ways and just learned how to learning how to grow and be a bigger and better person. I should say, just, just learning how to, how to be the person that I want to be. And I think that that's, it's interesting to watch that journey unfold on paper because it makes you really sit there and think about it. So I would recommend that just as a, you know, this is something new I started. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Okay. So it's a journey within. I said, or art of war, just because that's, you know. Art of war. Yeah. You and I have talked about that one before, I think. But a journey within, I will link that in the show notes for our listeners. And then finally, um, how can they follow you? I always ask that. I know you're on Instagram, right? So is that the, is that where you would drive people if they want to find you? Yeah, that's usually where I update my life. It's uh living underscore my underscore equine underscore life, or just living my equine life just with underscores between the words. I post very like randomly, but it's usually with big updates. And so, you know, you'll see everything from my latest Starbucks order to my 32 year old paint on there to my kittens having grand old time destroying my home but that's the best way that I would say <laughs> yeah exactly that's life I, I think that that's the easiest way and if anyone ever has any questions I think that I have grown so much from just talking to people that have been where I am that I would never hesitate to answer any questions for anybody else so if anybody ever has questions about the journey they're about to partake in please feel free to reach out to me I always I, I think that you know Jody would be able to help you in so many ways, she definitely helped me get to where I am. And, you know, I, I would love to pass that on to the next person. Awesome. Jade, thank you so much. Congratulations. I can't wait to watch this next step of your journey. And we will talk soon. Thrivers, I hope you have enjoyed this tremendous episode. And we will see you back here next week, same time. Cheers. Driver, I hope this episode inspired and empowered you to keep growing. If so, I'd be so grateful if you hit that share button and send it to your tribe so they can thrive too. And while you're there, please leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so everyone can find the show. I love to know what keeps you listening, especially if I'm at the barn with you. I'll meet you back here same time next week. Cheers, Jody.